Welcome to the Modeling Empower Narratives Podcast, Season 1, Episode 2. I'm your co-host, Jordan Flowers. I'm Trey Mosley. I'm Jacob Hill. And uh, we want to start off with a little uh, something in the beginning uh, in response to our, our pilot episode. So, hell, go ahead and uh, lead it off for us. Well, first of all, I would just like to say thank you. Thank you so much for all the support that we had. Uh, we had a lot of text messages, comments, you know. People are giving us time marks and everything. You know, that is great to hear. It gives us a lot of confidence, right. especially first yeah. starting and doing all this. And again, these are vulnerable topics. So there's definitely a lot of anxiety that I had coming into the first drop. So to hear all this support was great. And we heard some of the comments, you know, definitely going to adjust it. We're going to get better. I heard we sound very nervous at the beginning. You know, it was our first time. A lot of stuff we had to talk about. We're definitely going to get better. We're going to keep improving. With all that being said, Trey, we gave Trey some homework <laughs> going into this week. Uh, he made an interesting comment about women inventors. So we figured we'd give him some time to do some research. And I'll just give it to you, Trey. You yeah, so with? I did some research. And I actually found, since I'm trying to be in the medical field, right? I found a person who invented something in the medical field. So I found a woman. Her name is Patricia Bath. She's an ophthalmologist. And in 1981, she made the laser FACO probe, which is some, it's a laser that uses, that's used to dissolve cataracts in your eyes. So she actually, she, she you know, is nice. You know, I'm so proud of you. I'm super proud of you for actually doing the homework assignment. We, uh, we love women on the show. We are all feminists. Um, so to the extreme. To the extreme. To the extreme. So uh, before we get started, I want to shout out uh, if you don't know, we do all our recordings right now, at least, um, in St. Louis. But I want to shout out to the city of St. Louis and MoDOT for the rapid <laughs> response team that they sent out when this snowstorm hit. It, I've never seen it before. Never seen it. It doesn't happen in Omaha. I, I was telling the guys. But that snow would sit for at least a week and a half. Week and a half. You just got to drive over it. So, I, I mean, they were trying to cover up something. I don't know. Like, <laughs> there's no snow on the street, bro. It's so wild to me. But... That's neither here or there. Uh, let's get into the topic. Let's get into the topic. So, uh, season one, episode two. Um, the topic today is the athlete identity crisis. So, initial thoughts. Um, I'm going to start with you, Hell. What does the athlete identity crisis mean to you in its definition? So, just to give a little backstory, obviously, this is something that I went through, especially, unfortunately, going through some injuries during my time that... All three of us, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. all three of us that really derailed me from actually getting significant playing time in my college days. But I would break it down into about three parts. I would consider it more of like a who I am stage because that's essentially what it is. It's that that real moment where you really become self-aware. You know, a lot of people, they don't get that, sorry to say, until their sports career is over. So... The who I am stage really breaks down to three parts. One is what are my life goals? Okay. So a lot of people have the same generic goals, big house, you know, lots of money and all that stuff. But there's no real step how to, you know, what am I going to be doing? It's just, oh, I'm going to play football, make a lot of money. So that's really where it starts. People have to start contemplating that or how that's going to work out and things. The second part of it is... And this is probably, I think this is the number one biggest thing that affects athletes is, what am I going to do for work? What job am I going to have? What do I actually like to do that I can do for 40 hours, 60 hours, you know, for the next 20, 25, 40 years, things like that? 
And I've talked to so many athletes about that, especially with my situation, how I went through that process earlier than some of the people around my age. And it's the same thing. And sadly, a lot of them figure out pretty quickly that the major that they're in, they just ended up just choosing a major or whatever they wanted to do. That's not what the major provided for them. So that's a really big thing that hits a lot of people when they get to that stage. And then the third thing, and this is more of a philosophical part, is more of like, what's my purpose? Right. So you may figure out the job, maybe where you want to end in life, but what brings me happiness? Where do I find my joy? You know, do do I really like to help others? You know, where, where does all this fit in to where I can make a legitimate mark in my life and the people around me? Right, right. So let's transition to Trey. What is, uh, that was a great spell by hell. What does the athlete identity crisis mean to you in its definition? I mean, I think that it means that, like, as an athlete, like, that's your whole life. You, you've you always been an athlete. Most people have been playing since they were, like, five years old. But when it's coming out and you're getting to, like, in your 20s, or some for some people it's after college, some people it's high school, it's like, what's next? Like, what do I do when I don't have to go to sports Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, every week for however many years I, I that I have played sports? Like, what do I do now that it's over? Like, who am I as that person? Right. And, like, for me, I think that, like, when you ask, like, hundreds of athletes, our, our football coach did this, Coach Bass did this right. to us. He asked us, he said, tell me how to describe yourself. And he asked that in the big thing, and he had everybody write it down. And people were reading and describing themselves. And he said, nowhere in there should there be that I'm a football player. You're more than just football. And that's something that, like, a lot of people, you ask somebody, like, tell me something about yourself. I'm a football player. Like, what else is there other than I play this sport? Uh, I hear you on that. I hear you on that. And like you said, we, we've we taken steps in terms of, like, uh, this has been a thing that I've been thinking about for a while, especially, like I said, with all three of us being injured, we'll share that stories here shortly, but um, this is a huge thing. This is a huge thing. I think we all see it um, with me being from a big city in Omaha, you you being from St. Louis, you being from Chicago, hell. Um, we see it. We see a lot of athletes that um, are dealing with this. This is a real thing. You got to think about how many NCAA athletes are <laughs> playing sports and not going to be able to, you know, move on into the professional level. So, I mean, it's a real thing, and I think it's a real discussion that we need to have. So, um, in saying that, um, let's transition into the big picture. Let's talk about the big picture. And, and we've all been this, in this moment in terms of, like, societal pressure, right? The society's um, vision of what the athlete is and pretty much what they put on us. And so, uh, I'll go back to you, Hell, on this. What do you think in terms of society – like how does that influence one's identity if you're an athlete, especially a young athlete that's impressionable and something that we've been playing for a long time? What is society's pressure and influence? How, how does that affect the athlete? Yeah, uh, this, this is very important because I think this is something everyone needs to be a part of because there's a lot of parts of the society that really needs to change about how we view af- athletes. Let's just, let's just take it for what it is. Right. You have... We'll just do college. You have a group of 18 to 24-year-olds that are just naturally more athletic than normal society, right? Mm-hmm. But their standard, how they're supposed to act and conduct, is put so much higher, so much more of an unrealistic standard. I would like to think that a lot of athletes 
have a bigger standard how they should act, what they should do, bigger than politicians, bigger than lawyers, bigger than actual higher up position CEOs and things like that. And I just think that's so ridiculous. You know, there's nothing wrong with wanting the best, wanting them to be functioning citizens of society. I have no issue with that whatsoever. But what I don't like is that if there is a mistake, right? Oh, and I'm talking about relatively small, not talking about anything grand, super illegal or anything of that nature, you know, like kids skipping class and things like that. I don't like how the media is put in a position where they just want to pounce on the kid. Right. You know, you know what that does to someone 18 to 24 growing up trying to figure out who they are. All they know is this sport. They make one wrong mistake and you have everyone, everyone knows about it. Everyone's looking down on them. It's like, this kid shouldn't even be here. You know, he send them back to wherever he's from. Maybe if he's a poor person, you know, he deserves to die where he's from or crazy things like that that you see. Right. People don't understand what that can do to an athlete. And that really enforces on what we're talking about with the crisis is that they mold themselves into that. I'm not who I am. I'm not my government name. I'm not that. I am an athlete. I am a number. I am a position. And that's all I am. And that's how I act. And then if my position falls, I fall with it. And that's a very dangerous mindset that a lot of people are being pushed into nowadays because of society. Right. And like you were saying, it's like everything is magnified. Everything, you know, for the athlete. And I'm talking about even on a small scale, even to the professional levels, you got to, I think it's cliche to say, but yes, we are people as well. And a lot of these people deal with the same issues that everybody deals with as well. Like, you know, like Shakari Richardson. Um, we can go with that situation with right. the smoking weed and this, that, and the third. It's like she had something real life going on. Whether she made a mistake or not, and do I, you know what I'm saying? Like, she knew what was right and what was wrong in terms of her sport or whatever. I'm not going to say in terms of, like, smoking or whatever. But, you know, she came out and said, like, I make the same mistakes as everybody else. I just haven't run a little bit faster. And mm-hmm. and that's and that's essentially that wraps up everything. Like we're able to, you know, play a sport and this that, and the third, but once we lay our head on a pillow, we deal with the same real life issues as everyone. And I think that society's pressure on us, like you said, is very magnified. Everybody has skeletons in their closet. Everyone, everyone. And you're asking, especially if we want to be honest, predominantly, um, especially in the male community, predominantly black athletes and a lot of, you know, in the women as well. Um, like we come from, most of us come from adverse situations, right? And so you're asking people that are still growing up, still developing cognitively, like to not make mistakes, just the same mistakes that are made throughout the youth. By everybody. By everybody. So, so, so what is your take on that in terms of society's pressure? Like, how do you, how do you view that? I'm like on the same page with him where it's like, they're just unreasonable and I feel like, People will, like, do stuff, and they'll, like, say, you got a basketball guy. He's shooting free throws, misses key free throws at the end of the game. They end up losing. People lose their bets because they bet on the spread. They have these insane parlays. And then they start DMing those athletes who are 18, 20 years old, like, death threats. Like, you messed it up. You suck. Like, what are you doing? Like, things that people people get those every single day. Like, every after every game, they play bad. They, they're getting five to ten DMs. From just random people just talking bad about them and all that other stuff. And it's like, how does that make you, like, would you want somebody to do that? Say you're working at your job. Say you're working at McDonald's. And you make a burger wrong. And then would you want people DMing you threats and all that stuff? Like, that's basically what they're doing. Right. And 
it's that compassion that we talk about in terms of athletes. And I think societally, like, we, we failed each other. And what I mean by that is that, that pressure resonates in all of us. That pressure resonates even if it's, like, unconscious. Like, you know, sometimes you don't even feel it. Like, I felt the pressure even coming out of high school from people I probably wouldn't even know. You know what I'm saying? But you got a lot of people, especially like fanatics and stands and all these, yeah. you know, these fans and diehards, right? And what's crazy is we talk about the athlete identity crisis, and we can even go far as like a, a fandom identity crisis attaching. Like they have so much emotional investment to whatever team that they're a fan of, right. and so in terms like they relate that success to their lives. It's like a direct reflection. Like think about how many times your sports team has lost, and especially for me being a <laughs> a fan the of who I am, the Jets fan. Like, I, like, imagine if I took that hard every single week. But there's people out there that do that. Like, take it very, very personally. Yeah, like, it's the world What that athlete's doing on the field. Like, I, and I could be very critical of Russell Westbrook. Let's go Russell Westbrook. That man has an actual family. Like, you know, and, like, I'm very critical of him. I need to stop. <laughs> but... Um, that man has an actual family, he goes through real life things. You don't think he knows that he might not be playing up to his standard, this, that, and the third. And I think we all fall in line with, you know, what they put out on the court. We might not like it, but I think we take it a step too far. Um, what is your take in terms of like fans and their treatment of the athletes before we go right into the athletes? Well, um, I would just say people need to understand one thing. I don't care how much money you've ever put into a program. Right. I don't care how many tickets you ever sold, how many jerseys you have, or anything like that. You will never be in the position where you want the team to win more than the person who's actually there playing in the game. I don't care what you have done in your past, how long the kid has been there, the amount of effort, the amount of work that comes in that no one ever knows about. You know, it even. We'll sit. We'll do with football, with fall camp and things like that. You know, right. every time around August, people make jokes and they post their schedule and stuff like that. It's like a twelve-hour shift, and it's not just twelve hours at Burger King. Twelve hours strenuous activity in the heat, in in the film room, everything like that. Trying to stay up, having to balance your meals, gotta keep your weight up. Everything going through your head on top of everything that's going on in your life. Maybe your mother's sick. Right. You know, maybe something's going on back home that you can't even go to because you're in the middle of your sport. And you're doing all this for months, right. months at a time. Whenever practice ends, if you want to be the best, you have to do extra. Right. You have to stay extra. Right. Then you have to go. You have to do your homework. You have to do everything, right? Just to, let's say, get out. And maybe there's something wrong with the coach. Maybe you didn't put out a good plan. Or maybe... You're way more hurt than you think. There's so many people that play hurt that you wouldn't even believe with serious injuries that they just played through, right? right? They end up losing the game. And then you have the one kid who showed up, didn't do any of that work, watched it for three hours, didn't like what he saw, and now he's throwing, putting the law down like we didn't want to win. And that is the most frustrating thing of an athlete. And even worse, we can't say anything. Right. We can't right. go out and be like, hey, man, like, I've been busting all week to do this. You know, I wanted to win. You can't even respond back to them because right, then you, you get further hit on. It's like, oh, you shouldn't care or you have to be held to a standard. You know, you have to let that go. Everyone should take coaching, things like that. And I'll, and I'll go a step further. And we'll, we'll talk about the coaching. And I want to get into our stories a little bit later in, uh, mm-hmm. in this episode. Um, but I want to hit on what you said is like, 
that selflessness, right? Like coaches promote that and sports in itself. There's so many great things that's integrated in sports. I think it's the greatest thing that happened to me. But in terms of like um, the identity thing that we're, that we're talking about is like the dissociation that we have to have from the sport is very, you know, it has to happen and it has to be something that we work on uh, collectively as a group. And I say that because sports teaches you so much selflessness and teamwork and this, all everything that you're going to need right. out in the right. real world, right? I think we apply sports so much in our lives today. And I think, like I said, it's, it's a great tool to have for us moving forward. But in saying that, right, is that when you promote so much selflessness, right, in the team and we and me, and I'm all for that, right, but the eye gets lost in that as well. And it can get lost in that unconsciously. And I mean, like, we thinking so much of the team, like, I'm going to go out here. I, do I think it's commendable to go out there and bust your butt for your buddy, even though i got a bum ankle and I might not be going through the best times off the field? Absolutely. Like, I think that is commendable, but, like, we only step on that field Especially in our instance, I know we talk about football a lot, but you only step on that field for three hours. Three hours, and then it's back to being Trey Mosley. It's back to being Jordan Flowers from Omaha. It's back to being Jacob Hale from Oak Park, Illinois. Like, you know, back to B.J. Wilson being from St. Louis. Like, these are real people with real stories. So I want to talk about, we talked about in the bigger picture um, in terms of society. Um, let's narrow it down. Let's go to the community. Let's go the community's route. What can we do within our communities? I'm talking about our neighborhoods. I mean, our community centers. Um, if it's after school programs, I know we pretty much all probably went to. Um, yeah. What can we do as a community? And I mean, as a collective um, in terms of solving this crisis and helping athletes grow outside of, I wouldn't call it their occupation, but the sport that they play, which, you know, in terms can be seen as occupation. So right. I want to get your thoughts on that, Trey. Well, I just think that first and foremost, we need to have the coaches of like the little league teams all around the community, the high school coaches, grade school coaches, when the kids are going to school playing basketball, baseball, volleyball, things like that. I think those coaches should be instilling in them that they are more than just an athlete. There's more to life than just sports. More than an athlete, right? Right. And they need to be building that foundation at a young age, five, six, seven, like having kids have different aspirations and different dreams other than just playing sports, other than just being a professional athlete. Because, yes, that's the goal of every person ever playing sports. They always want they want to be a professional athlete. Right. But there's a, so small of a group of people that actually get to hey, do that. Hey, remember that, that uh, and I don't mean to cut you off here, no, but remember that, uh, that graphic that they would show. Y'all remember, like, the graphic that they would show where they break it down from high school all the way and then it goes yeah, through the Like, that always sticks in my brain. And it's so it used to be so cliche to me when we were younger. Mm-hmm. But you get older, like, oh, this you is real. Right? Like, this is so real. This is so real. I would tell people, too, um, definitely congratulate yourself. You know, it from after high school, you go into college, D3, D2, NAIA, yeah, however it works. Be proud of that. 100% own it. Because no matter who's cheering, what's out there, what you have, you're part of what? 2%, 1% of the entire population that. that's even able to do that? Right. Be proud of that. 100%. And I really do mean that. Because a lot of people get stuck in the hysteria that if I'm not on main screen TV, which there's probably only about 50 teams, 50 to 70 teams that are actually going to be on primetime TV like that. Right. So I would... Definitely enforce that, like, be proud. If you are able to play on the next level in that regard, you know, that is a big accomplishment in and of itself. And a lot of things, and before I shift to you um, in terms of community, I just want to hit on, like, 
you're talking about like be proud of where we are as athletes. And I do say that that's that's something that we got to kind of st- take a step back and do because what we're doing is super hard. One, two, right. how far we made it was hard. We got to appreciate the hard work we took or put in to get to this this step. And I think when you go into even the more you go up higher up in the chain, and we can go professional as well, um, a lot of stuff has to do with opportunity. You know, opportunity, place, being in the right time. <laughs> Let's go far as genetics. Like some people are just genetically. Right. Athletically superior, um, that's how, you know, their genetic makeup. So we need to give ourselves a little bit more credit in terms of how far we've came. And I think that's something that we all collectively can do because as a, as a whole, I don't think we do that enough. We, we're so much on the go, like looking for the next thing to do. Um, so never really stop and realize like what you have in front of you like this is the best years of your life is playing the sport that you love the sport that you grew up with right so um, let's transition to you Uh, hell um, what do you think we can do as a community as a collective um, to help with this identity crisis for athletes so I would say one of the best things that a lot of uh, coaches do do is with community service and I really do enjoy that I like the ability to actually give back. Because no matter who you are, that will always be a great feeling to know that all your hard work, you can physically see it, you can visually see it. You see kids that are like, I wanna be just like you. And you know, obviously they barely know you or anything like that. It's such a humbling experience. It's such a great thing that is a part of being on a team in a community, where it's a small town or city, things like that. I would just say, if I was a coach, and I was putting my players through community roles and things like that, I feel like a lot of coaches really need the heart on the why. Right. So some programs do it well. Other programs, it's just like, we have to do it, so we're just going to do it. And, you know, athletes, it's just, yes, sir, where do you want to go? How high do you want me to jump type of thing? Right. right. So I think coaches really need to really take hold of that because I think that's probably the second most important thing outside of actually going out and winning games is your why, your existential why. You're bringing a bunch of kids to come to a town that you've probably never been to in a state that you've probably never been into, right? right? You really need to harp on the why that's like, hey, these are some things that are going on in the community. These are things that people look up to, whether you agree with it or not, whether you think it's important or not. These, this is very important. This is why we want you to have good grades. This is why we want you to conduct yourself in a certain way because we want these kids to grow up and now everyone's going to play for us, right? Because right. the athlete thing, the genetics and all that, we want to instill in them that even though they may not be the football player that they want to be or the basketball player or the volleyball player, they can still be functioning members of society. No one's too higher than the main purpose of building a strong community. Right, and I'll go as far as to, to share my, my thoughts on the community as well because I was talking to about this with my homegirl about a couple months ago, and uh, we were talking about like in terms of community and let's go neighborhood or uh, especially for me, like being in North Omaha, um, being in the inner city, like I think collectively um, we have failed our athletes. And what do I mean by that? Is that the same, you know, the same attention that we give, the same love that we used to give to people. Like, for example, like for me, like I did really, really well in high school, right? And there's so many people that like you would have swore up and down, like they would have did anything for me in that community. Like they build me up, like you're going to be this, you're going to be that, you're going to be playing this ball, like you're the best I've seen in a while. Right. And you know, certain people go down certain paths, 
I, you know, I go down the path of like, you know, want to be a psychologist, but some people, you know, are not well off when they, you know, done with sports. And I think we, as a community, once they're done with that sport or they're not given that same production, like we don't put in the same amount of love and attention giving to that, that athlete, right? Yeah, once it's, they're done, it's like you done with them too. So what right. does that do? That reinforces the idea of my, my talent was my worth. Right, it's not. I'm not getting the same love that I was getting outside of that. So it's rarely like you know how many times I went back home. It's like how the first question I get, one of the first questions is, you know, how how's football going? Right. And I and you know it's lighthearted. It's not like they mean anything by that, but it's things that they associated my being you know, my being life. with football right. so much that regardless if I'm done, which I am done with it now. Right. But we've associated with that so much that. When I, you know, when I left the football game, I don't get the same amount of love and appreciation from where it used to come from on, you know, when I was in the stadium. Right. And so I think as a community, we have failed in terms of that. And I think we have to do a good job of building these men back because at the end of the day, like I said, it's only a small percentage. Like everybody that you see come out of your city won't make it. And a vast majority of them at that. Mm-hmm. And they will go on to have, you know, some be- lives better than others. But we need to give that same love and attention to them that we gave them on the field. And I think that's that that's a part of the community that you want to have. You really want to have that person in your corner where, like, I blow up my knee. He's still going to love Jordan Flowers. He's still going to love Trey Mosley. Right. He's still going to love that. And we don't have that as a collective, only out of, like, close friends and families. And so I think as a community, we can do that. And it, that just comes down to straight-up compassion. That comes out to straight compassion. Those community leaders – those people in our community reaching out to the person, the person. I want to talk to Jacob Hill, the person, not, not the, the player. football player. We we do what we do on the field, and once we, we leave it there, I know at least us. Um, so yeah, I think that's that's something that we could work on in, in terms of the community. So, um, in a step down from the community, uh, let's go into parenting, the role of parenting. And I think this is super vital, and I'll keep going. Um, uh, I know for me. Um, my dad did not push me into playing sports, right? Um, he was pretty open about what I did, as long as it was positive. The two Ps, being supportive, is passionate and positive. That's something that I use. So some, something I'm doing that's positive and something I'm passionate about, they're all for, right? And so um, the role of parenting is very, very vital in establishing the identity um, of that, that athlete. Or let me, let me stop myself. That uh the identity of that person um, rather than the athlete. And so let me get your ideas on the role of parenting and how vital that is. Uh, let's start with you. Ed. Yeah. So um, I'll be personal with my experience, you know, again, not being fortunate with the way my career went per se, especially as we keep alluding to with the injuries and things like that. I would just say the parental role The most important thing I believe parents need to do is, one, you need to really check up on your child. Right. No matter what's going on or what length of time, you know, just because they're smiling in your face and they're like, I'm good, doesn't exactly mean that they're good. And that's a real thing that a lot of people go through. And a lot of people will tell you part of the reason why they go through that is just because they just don't know how their parents are going to react. Right. They live with them their whole life. But remember, you get to the college level 
you only remember yourself as being a great player. You only remember yourself as being a certain way. Right. So you just don't know how your parents are going to respond to that. I know a lot of people deal with that. So I would say as the parent, make sure you're checking up on your kid. You're like, hey, just want to let you know it doesn't matter like what you're doing. Like you need to talk. There's something going on. You know, this is what we're here for. We care about you as the person. Right. And then another important thing for the parent is that parents need to, and I've also seen this before, Parents need to make sure they understand that this is their kid's life. This is not your life. life. So whatever frustrations you've ever had in your life, in your career, like whatever happened in my career, it's not going to flow over into my children's lives. Even if they don't want to play the sport. But I'm never going to be like, well, you have to do all this and that because I didn't do it. And then this happened to me. So now you have to do it. It's like, no, you... It should never work like that. You have to be sure. You can support the kid. You can push him to be great. But you also have to make sure that you're not impeding on their lives because of the failures of your life earlier. And I don't mean to cut you off, but how often do we see that? We see that. I see that so often. And I think it's to the point where it's almost unconscious for the parent. Like, you're you're one to push your... Kids. Your kid to do the best, and, right. and and in that self, in itself, you know that's a good thing. That's a good yeah. thing. Like I'm all for that, but living through your kid is something that we cannot have. And I think that you know that's something that we need to talk about with our parents, especially at a young age, is because you're pushing something onto them that they can never be. Like for example, and I'm not I'm gonna get off a little bit of the, the tangent of an athlete, but um, before I get to you, is that you're gonna. You're going to live a separate life. Like you're going to take a little bit from your mom. You're going to take a little bit from your dad or whoever your caregiver is. But you're going to live a separate life than yeah. they did. And I live complete. Like I'm so far, like from the tree from both parents. And so you know, certain mm-hmm. ways I'm the same. But I live my own life, and I think my parents have done a great job in helping me do that. But we see that on a on a case to case basis that that's not always the case, and it's always external factors. But um, I want to get your thoughts on that as well. So parenting for me, I think my parents did the greatest job, like just making it to where I always, they always talked to me and my brother Drake. They always said like football, like we're going to put you in every sport. You can play football, basketball, baseball. We, we did like when I was five years old, I was in football, basketball, baseball. I wrestled when I was like eight. Like I just tried every sport. They exposed me to all that. And they did the same thing for my brother. Right. And I think that was a good step in like building, building like team bonding and foundation and things like that. But then along with them putting in me in all these sports, they would say like, what are you going to do when you grow up? Like, what do you, what do you want to do? Like, what do you like to do? It's not just football's not going to last forever. My dad used to always say football's not going to last forever. So it's a vehicle. And uh, I'll even go as far as to say as think about, and I was talking to my sister about this as well, is that I want to put my, when I have a kid and God forbid, that's, you know, some years down so, the road. Right. Not right now. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, definitely. definitely have to pray for you on that. <laughs> <laughs> but um, when I have a kid, I was always thinking like, you know, what do I want to emulate as a, as a parent in terms of the sport thing? And I, I make the joke with my, my, my sister about with my nephew, like he is not allowed to play football and this, that, and the third. And obviously I want to play every sport, but mm-hmm. um, like how, you know, parenting is so hard. It really is. And it's so hard when you see, your son or your daughter have so much talent, you want to push them, you know what I'm saying? But you, you got to, it's a, such a fine line with everything. Um, but the one thing I wanted to know, you know, and to bring up is the fact that when, when I want a parent, I want to give my kids 
all the options. And I'm talking about outside of sports as well. Right. And I say that because we can even think as far as this, and I was talking to my sister about this, how many people we've pushed away from probably a natural talent of theirs, right? Whether that's being a mathematician or a scientist. Or a musician. A musician or things like that because we put everybody in a box, right? And even if we want to go sports, uh, how many times have uh, we seen, like, uh, especially for black athletes, how many times, and I grew up in the inner city, somebody that was, like, doing flips and tricks and this, especially as a black male, and we don't motivate them to do gymnastics. gymnastics. And I think that's a huge thing. It's like, these people are like, doing so, all these backflips for, don't, for right. no reason. And you know what I'm saying? And they are so talented, but our stigma and everything and everything that we push in terms of, like, gymnastics being a woman's sport, and that's not right in itself. But we have to be better, you know, even going back to the community things, of uplifting these. Like, these are real talents that people have, and we cannot box them into what, you know, Society has been a norm. No, I'm, I'm so glad you said that. That is a great point, especially in the black community. Right. And obviously, that's our community. So, right. you know, it's a lot to go through. And I've definitely seen that. And that's something that needs to be addressed. It's that maybe your kid's very talented, right? Maybe they're actually really good at football, they're really good at basketball and things like that. But you'll be surprised. Most people who are talented at one thing, they're usually talented at a lot of other things. But they only focus on the sports aspect of it. So I've met people in college, in high school, you know, of all levels of these guys. They are very talented on the football field. And I give them credit for that. But a lot of those guys are actually really smart guys. Right. Or they're very artsy types of Creative. people, you know, there's certain, there's certain hobbies that they have, and sometimes I'll talk to them about it, and they're like, yeah, you know, I just do it on the side, or whatever, but you can just tell they were never given that opportunity to really show out more of what they can do, and I was, I just find that, I always found that so crazy, so I'll, I'll speak from one of my friends, and I won't name them, so... Okay. I guess I'll have to figure out who if it's them or not. But uh, I remember I had one good friend, and he was very, very athletic, right? Right. Mm -hmm. But he was also very intelligent. And growing up in high school, I was in honors, AP classes, and things like that, right? And I used to always tell him, it's like, you're smart enough to be in those classes with me. Why are you just taking the normal classes? You know, you can have this advantage. You can learn more and stuff like that. And... For the gist of his response was basically like, I'm doing good enough in school and I get good grades. There's no point in pushing myself. But I was like, but you're pushing yourself as an athlete. You know, like we stay afterwards. We're doing extra things. We want to be better. We're talking about goals and stuff, but you don't push yourself in the classroom, right? Right. And thankfully, it didn't affect his life in a negative way. But how many times do you really see that where... A lot of these people have so many other talents, but they're only talked about that one sport, so that's all they push for. And then when they're done, they have no work ethic for anything else because right. they've only been taught that's the only thing you should work on. Right. And, and it's like, what do you have to show for that? Like, what right. do I? I spent all these years doing football, and now I'm done. Like, what do I have to show for it? Like, right. what are my accomplishments in life? And it's attaching, like I said, attaching, attaching your worth to what you're doing. And I'm like I said, I'm glad you brought that up as well because. It, it, it really is a, a real problem for the athlete, you know what I'm saying? And in terms of parenting, like, that's why it's so vital that we open up all avenues for our kids. And, it's, and it's, it starts with our generation when we, you know, and I think that we need to open a floor to being more broadening our approach to how our, uh, you know, our, if we want to call them athletes, they're, that's, that's a part of them. 
That's a part of what they do, but that's not innately who they are. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, parenting is very vital. It's very vital, and it's no way of one way of doing it. And that's the tricky part when it comes to this is because how do you, you know, how do you straddle that line between doing too much and pushing too hard and not motivating them to do something that they feel like they're specialized. Right. And, and that's where it comes into beating that drum of like, okay, you come home from football practice. Well, you know, that's good. I might, I might ask a couple questions about football, but let's, let's shift to talk about your day. Let's talk about, let's shift to your day. Let's shift to what else something you've learned today. What's something that you're passionate about outside of this? And what I do think you have to do tonight? Like things like that. We have to beat the drum to that as loud as we beat the drum as to putting the, the same work in as athletes. And I understand that before I transition a little bit, I understand that when we talk about athletes and the, the broader scope, we, let's talk about black males. Like some of us and these top athletes come from, you know, some adverse situations, some, you know, poor living conditions. And that's not the whole thing. That's not always the case. But it's so hard as a parent. And I understand this because I see it so much in my city is to like, OK, well, I want to push my son to be an athlete, and I know he's athletic enough to reach certain status, right? Right, and help him get and out. help me get out of the hood, which is a real issue, and you don't really feel that until you're in that position. So it's something we can never feel. Mm -hmm. So how, you know, but how do you push that person to want to go be a scientist not knowing what kind of occupation they'll get, if they'll even get that job? And so do I get it? Yes, but do we have to do better in, you know, towing that line of pushing ourselves in just one direction. And that's why I don't like the specialization, like just one sport. I think it's so much you can learn from so many different sports and putting each other, putting your, your son or your daughter or and as many as you as can. Anything. Like and not, not even just sports, just in different things, seeing if they like it. Like you don't even know how many times, like you put me in history class, me and Hill, we love history. I had no idea. I watched, if you know me, I watched World War II and color me and him like <laughs> religiously. Nobody knows. I watch greatest tank battles, but I watch all. I've read the the art of war by Sun Tzu. I'm infatuated by war, bro. And it's bad because we like we really debate about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> this tank versus that tank type of thing. Like, like it's the most nerdiest uh, nerd. The T the T thirty the Russian T thirty four versus the. Uh, the German Panzer or the German Tiger Tank or the Mark IV or, Duh. bro, I, I know so much about war, but, uh, you know, getting a little bit off topic, but it's so many avenues that we need to open up for these people because you never know what piques the interest of somebody until you get into that. You, right. I, I've knocked, there's so many things I've probably knocked in my life because of societal pressures or whatever. That I probably would enjoy now. I'm right there with you. That's I right. did gymnastics. Yeah, right. yeah so I want to. Let's really focus on this, especially with black athletes, because it's a very common thing in the black community. And I think that's something we really need to work on is that we need to get out of this mindset that there's only a few accepted things you can do to be the cream of the crop, essentially. So, like, being a rapper, right? Mm -hmm. And then again, the, all this stuff is like a very low chance of you actually doing it. So rapping, entertaining, and uh, sports, sports right. things like that, right? We need to really invest in our kids and let them know it's like, there's nothing wrong with you working a nine to five, eventually being that CEO or that vice president or things like that, right? Right. And the problem is, is that you see a lot of these kids, it's like, well... I have to rap, I have to do this, you know, I have to put so much time into this, 
And I've talked to a few of them. I was like, wait a minute. You're, you're really good at math. Oh, no. Why didn't you? You know, what's wrong with getting this job or going into this area and stuff? And it's part of that stigma. It's like, oh, no, you know, you can't do a nine to five. You have to do something extra. Yeah. I'm like, you can always go the extra mile, right? Nothing wrong with that. But you don't, it's, it's very bad to go the extra mile into something that statistically is improbable. Right. Mm -hmm. So you have to be fluid and you have to have a community that strives on you being fluid, right? Fluid. I like so that word. Yeah. you want to rap? Fine. Go ahead. I will never knock anyone for trying to rap or being entertainer, right. things like that. Team, right? But you can also do something maybe more stable or something more reliable and things like that. The problem is you have a lot of people that are working retail jobs, which no offense to them, shout out to you, especially saying open during the pandemic. Yeah. You definitely Big benefited shot. me when Big I was running groceries. Yeah. You definitely helped me out. But we need to stop getting out of that stigma that like I have to just be either the top or I'm nothing. And that's a right. lot of what you see in the black community. It's like there's a middle ground. There's an upper middle ground. You know, there's more that you can do than just those three areas. And right. I'm going to touch just black and white. Right. Yes. And uh, we're talking about that gray area. And I think that's very important. But um, before we, you know, you know, move along in this conversation, I want to touch base on what some you said. And I think, um, and this is in the, in the grand scope of thing you were talking about, it's either all or nothing. Like, I, I got to be this or I'm not. And I think that's a pressure, uh, if we go on in the grand scope of going back to society, of the capitalist society, right? We sell this dream that you could be whatever you want. And is it totally, you know, for the most part, is it, are you able to reach that? Eh, maybe, right? There's certain things that you'll have to do along the way that you might not agree with, or you might have to, you know, work hard in this area, or, you know, that or the third. But when you sell that to every individual, right? That innately everybody cannot be rich or successful, but if you sell that dream to say you go back to a middle school and I told you know I talked to a, a middle school like don't give up on your dreams and I think that's a great message I right. do I love people saying that but we gotta stop getting out of this we gotta get out of this this mindset that we're giving these kids that are very impressionable during this age like we putting them all these eggs in one basket like. I want to be a basketball player. I want to be a football player. How many, we, we probably all said that at one point when we were younger. Right. Right. And so how many times where, you know, I, I can even think back to times in middle school where I'm not playing well at recess and that will bother me. I mean, like recess, yeah, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like that will bother me for the rest of the day. And you see like real life, if you be around men for a long time, you'll see like when sports, like you bring up competition or sports. The heated arguments. I mean, even dating back to when outrageous. you were young. Yes, I, Like, I got arguments from people, like, you know, with when I was at Central or Omaha Central. Like, I'm five years removed from high school. We're talking about freshman years. Almost talking about eight years ago. Mm. Right. Now, I'm like, nah, bro. You wouldn't even this, that, and dirt. Y'all wouldn't even this, that. Like, people really right. are like, still, they just wouldn't uh, let it go. wouldn't let it go. And so, it's so crazy to see, like, the the amount of, like, pretty much how much we invest into the sport and how much um, we invest it to our identity, how much we attach that to our identity. So now I want to transition to how do, as athletes, how do we disassociate ourselves and what we do on the field, on the court, or anything of that nature? How do we disassociate ourselves and our identity, our sense of self-worth from the sport that we play? What is your thoughts on that, Trey? I think, like, number one thing you got to do is just, like, try other things. Like, get into hobbies. Like, find something other than that sport that you're good at. 
find something other than that sport that will help you get your mind off of anything. Like if you're having a bad day, right. bad week, like what is something that you can do that will make you forget about what you have going on for a little while or get your mind off of it? Like what 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 is something that is a release for you outside of just football? Right, and outside of just the sport itself and any initial thoughts for you um, in terms of that? Well, I definitely have a lot to say on this. Oh, go yeah, ahead, bro. Go definitely. ahead, go ahead. <laughs> um, so, I'll start with this. Uh, first of all, just to let you know, this isn't like a crazy thing. It's not like there's something wrong with you for having an identity crisis. Once you're done with a sport, you have to remember, you're putting in minimum probably 40 hours a week, probably upwards of around 80 if you're going the extra mile. Right. So, it's natural that that dominates your life and your hobbies and everything is in the background. So right. it's a natural thing. And a lot of people really do go through that. I'd say a majority of that athletes actually go through that. So I've talked to a bunch of people about it. I think I came with a very fair couple talking points on like certain things to get the ball rolling with a lot of people. Right. Uh, first of all, and this is very important, and we kind of alluded to this, is that just because you are done with the sport, doesn't mean the mentality of the sport also goes the way. Right. So the amount of time you put in the film room, the amount of time you put doing the extra stuff, especially if you want to play, all the extra stuff that you did, the mindset that I have to wake up. Some people have to gain weight. I have to eat a certain amount every day. Some people have to lose weight. I have to make sure I'm avoiding these foods. You have to have that same mentality with everything else you do in life. And that's the true advantage of being an athlete. Right. That a lot of right. people don't utilize at times. It's that just keep you that already discipline. have that mindset. Keep that mindset. Just transition it into anything that you're doing that's not sports related, right? right? So that's the main point that a lot of people need to do. Second thing, this is going to be tough because you it's a lot of critical thinking you're going to have to do. But you have to decide what is the one thing that you can do that you'd be all right with doing for the rest of your life, right? right? So for me, I was fortunate. I've always had that builder mentality. I've always liked building things. I was a big Lego guy, big Minecraft guy, mm -hmm. everything of that nature, right? So I understood, okay, I, I know I want to build stuff. That's just my thing, right? right? But what's the bigger meaning behind that, right? Because building is, is a specific, but what's the overarching thing? And then through that time thinking, I realized is that my main thing is that I really wanted to help people. Right. I really like the idea that I've left my mark and I benefit people. And you don't have to know who I am because I'm not into the fame. Right. So I like the idea that something were to happen to me, right? You may not know who I am. You may have never seen me before. But there's certain things that have been built in St. Louis and probably in other cities as well that I was a part of and I helped did and you're going to use it every single day and you wouldn't even know, right? right? So once you find your main thing, you're like, okay, I want to do this for the rest of my life. Like this is what I really enjoy, right? Then you start building your hobbies and your sub parts to it. So if my thing was helping people, right. what are the sub parts of that? First was building. So that's the part of it, right? And then there's other things. So obviously we're doing this podcast now. We're talking about wellness. There's more things I would like to do. And me and you, Jordan, have definitely talked about it. And a lot of my good friends have definitely talked about it. About other things I want to do to help people in the future and things like that. So once you figure out those other parts, then that's when the mentality comes in. It's that, okay, 
now I need to make sure I'm making money. I need to make sure I'm establishing myself, expenses, all that stuff. That's when that mentality comes in. You're already used to working 40, 60, 80 hours a week. You have to keep that same mentality when attacking these other things. Like, okay, I want to do this. I need to start reading. I need to start studying. I need to start doing this. And people, people get afraid. They're like, man, that just seems like too much. But you have to think. You've already been doing it. Right. You just didn't know it because you enjoyed it so much. You've already been doing that extra mile. You just have to make that transition. And and I'm glad you brought that up because it, it transitioned perfectly into my story. And and it's and I want to go ahead and say that in terms of disassociating your identity from the sport that you play, or even go as far as your occupation, um, as well. And it it doesn't. It's not going to be perfect. Like every story is not going to be same. And I know for me, it was like forced upon me. So I'll give a, a little background history or whatever um, in terms of my injuries history. So I had hurt myself um, before coming into uh, training uh, fall camp 2017, right after our senior year. Tore my hamstring. I mean, I'm sitting out, I think, two years in a row, two years off of football. And at this time, you're talking about a 17-year-old kid that got hurt. So, of course, like football is like... My life at that point, you right. know what I'm saying? It's I've so I've put in so much time and work and effort, like and you uh, that we've done for like a vast majority of our lives. So when it was put on pause, and I'm talking about some put on pause, not by me, like external factors did right. this. And um, in terms of my occupation with clinical psychology and everything, um, I've always been interested in psychology. And then, uh, sadly enough, one of my best friends had committed suicide. And so it's kind of like a tragedy into triumph thing. Mm-hmm. Like this pushed me right into that alley, and right. And you sit down during these times, and I was on bed rest for three months, and I'm like, look, you, I'm two years far removed from football. I don't know if I'm come back the same. Um, playing D two ball, yeah, like it's so many things going on in my head. It was like a point, probably in the middle of that summer, like, Jordan, you got to figure out you. Like right. this is it. Like you know, nobody's gonna feel how you feel. Like I might be able to talk to y'all or whatever, but. I need to know who I am once this inevitably this ball stopped dropping or I stopped throwing passes. And so it was kind of forced upon me to figure that out. And thank God that the stars aligned to where, okay, I want to help people. I'm using the motivation from my brother's crisis in terms of like his suicide and carrying that with me and trying to do something positive with it. Learning about the brain and cognition and like the neuroscience of everything firing. Like that, that was so cool to me. Mm-hmm. So everything aligned in perfect alignment. That's not always the case, right? right? You find, you know, that's not, might not be your story. It might not be your story, but it's important to have that in the back of your mind. I say yes, because it's not going to look like everybody else's process. Like I was fortunate enough at a younger age, if you want to call it fortunate because of the injuries, like certain things are going to give you that, that push you into uh, towards a new direction that you might not see coming because nobody could have seen snapping a hamstring or something. Like, right. I never would have envisioned right. that, right? But at the same time, I was left no choice. Like I had no idea what I was going to come back and be able to do. Mm-hmm. And I know, and I, I'll move on to you, Trey, um, because I know your, your story is similar with your ankle. And if you want to talk a little bit about that and how you got past that and some, you know. Well, I just like advice. that. You know, you just talked yeah. about your identity crisis how it started for you as an athlete so i guess we'll go with trey what was your what point got to where you had your crisis for me it was probably the same story as you we didn't talk about this before i had two major surgeries and within three years span in college i my sophomore year of college no freshman 
It was freshman year, yeah. In the spring, we're doing winter workouts, and then I just feel a pop and bust my hand, bust my, I tore my labrum, my hip. And I played that whole spring season thinking, oh, I just had a pull groin, whatever, whatever. Went back to the doctor when I got home mm-hmm. after this whole spring ball and whatever. And we find out that I tore my labrum and I needed surgery. So then there was that. Then I spent that whole next season trying to get better. I was same same boat as you. Didn't know if I was going to be able to come back the same. Didn't know if I was ever going to get full range of motion in my hip ever again. Like I was... At one point, like right after my surgery, at one point I was just laying in bed and they had brought this machine and the machine would just bend my leg and it just constantly made me move my leg. And I would just, I was just sitting in there and it was moving, it was creaking. And I was just like, do I really, st- what, what am I going to do? Like, do I really still want to play football? And then at that point I was like, nah, I got to go back. I couldn't come back stronger. I got too much that I haven't done yet. I've had I, that, I had that same feeling. And I, I, I stuff that I got to accomplish. So then I come back, the next season rolls around, I was back up, and to the starter who was the years before, when I was out, he was I was still the backup, and I didn't play, and then that next season came around, it's like, okay, it's supposed to be me now, and right. uh, COVID happening, don't play in the fall, spring rolls around, then I tear my, I tear a ligament and a tendon in my ankle in the spring, so then... After that, then I had a whole another six to eight months of just trying to rehab and get back to where I was. And even to this day, my ankle is still, will still get swollen and still huge. And I don't think I'll ever truly be the same as what I was. And during this last time when I had, when I couldn't walk, couldn't drive, and I was just stuck with myself, that is really when my crisis really just started to come to fruition for me. Like, and I really was understanding, like, what am I going to do now? Like, do I really want to still go to med school? Do I really want to help people? Like, what do I want to do outside of football? Because all I've known is football. All I've ever been about is football. And like, even when I was playing those other sports, it was always, well, I still got to do football on the side. And all I knew was football. So for me, I was like, I really do want to help people. And I always have wanted to help people taking after my grandma because my grandma was a nurse. Right. So I always knew that that was something that I wanted to be because I knew that I couldn't just sit at a desk for 40 hours a week. I knew I couldn't just always just go to the office, sit do, sit in the cubicle, do the same old things. And there's and nothing wrong your, with people that, who Yeah, can. that's your path, right? right? Right. I just knew that I just couldn't sit down for that long just because that's how my personality is. So me understanding that I, I can help people outside of football because even during football, I would always be helping people. Being the quarterback, you always, you know, like you right. always telling people what to do, where to go, what they have to do on these certain plays, telling them about the offense, like plays and things like that. So I was always helping people, and I just translated that helping in football into me just wanting to help people in real life, life in the medical field. And that's what that's just based on that mentality still sticking to him. Like, it's certain things that you carry with yourself that you've learned from sports. And I even want to go as far as saying, like, uh, and this this thought popped up in my mind when you were when you were speaking, is, like, come a point in time, especially for us three, I know we were all injured. It kind of derailed both all of our careers, right? And um, it comes to times where you're putting so much investment and the return is so little. I think that was my feeling. I think that was the feeling yeah. where like, like I, what do I have to right, show for it? Right. And I and for two years and I'm I'm gonna spend a brief time on this. I'm not gonna spend too long, but for two I got two years of eligibility left, right? Twenty two right. years old, then in college four and a half years, right? And do I think I could physically still do it? Absolutely. Mm, like same way. But mentally I'm not there in terms of the investment. Like you 
this isn't an investment. Like you're investing your time and energy, which is precious to people like us, right? We put mm-hmm. so much, you know, emphasis on our time and energy. Um, that's an investment. And I think the investment was so great and the return was so little that it just didn't have what I wanted in my life because that, that could become draining. How many times I love football and there's so many great things that I could take from football still, even the, the last season. Um, but it was like, uh, you know, you, that random Tuesday in October, it's cold. You know, you got a thousand assignments and I got to go put in the same amount of work as the next man and not seeing me like the return in terms of playing time. Now, I will say to the young athletes out there, keep pushing, keep pushing. I don't want to put the narrative to, you know, right, this ain't a, this it's not that. But in terms of like for old heads, and I'm going to call us old heads because that's what we are right. now. For old heads like oh, us, man. like... Especially when you're putting an investment into a sport that you already know is coming to an end for you, right? right? And my only thing that I had put in my notes when I got hurt is that when I had transferred to Quincy, I only had two things, bro. Stay healthy and to prove to myself that I'll still be able to play at a high level. Did I do both of those? Yeah. I have nothing left to prove to anybody and, you know, one, I never had anything to prove to anybody. Right, I have nothing you. left to prove to myself. I feel so much self-satisfaction because if you, you know, if, you, if you've been injured, you know how much it took to even get back right. to where you were or at least a shell of that and still get and be able to maintain that, that level of consistency and being able to play. Like, that's all that I need to satisfy what the goals that I have set out for myself after injury. Um, so... Uh, in our final thoughts, um, I kind of want to pose if we give one or two tips or advice or anything that you guys want to say in terms of people that will listen to this, an athlete, a parent, or anything, somebody in the community. What is some advice, especially let's start with the athlete um, in specific, that you would give to the athlete that might be going through this currently? If you're going through this currently, I would say the first thing you need to do, and it's always going to be a part of it, is that take care of your mental. That's always going to be the most important thing. So if you have this feeling, if you need to go talk to someone, you need to vent or anything like that, first of all, acknowledge that that is an actual problem that you're going through first, right? Right. Take care of your mental. And then second, again, you have to really sit down, critically think, and go through and I always give people this scenario. I was like, imagine if money wasn't an issue, right? Mm-hmm. You just, whatever, you just got $2 billion in the bank, whatever. Right. What could you see yourself doing if money wasn't a problem? Like, you don't even have to get paid for it. You don't care, right? And when you take that away, a lot of people, it clears up their mind. They're like, you know what? I think I want to go coach. And I was like, okay, why do you want to go coach, Right. Right. And then some people will be like, oh, I just really love the game and things like that. Or other people are just like, oh, you know, I just want to really help the youth, all right? So I was like, okay, well, in one scenario, you don't necessarily have to coach. And you can do other things if you want to just be a part of the game. And then another scenario, you still don't have to coach. You can do more community things of just upbringing and teaching and things like that, right? So that would probably be my second point is just sit down. You have to really think to yourself is that, what do I really like to do, right? Mm-hmm. And then from there, you can strand from there like, okay, what type of jobs are those? Well, what type of money can I be expected? Do I need to do more? Are there different? Do I need different streams of income? You know, you can start answering all those first, but you have to deal with the basic first of what do you want to do outside of your sport? Right. right. And I'm, 
I'm touching base off of what you're saying is that I completely agree. Is like you got to find, like how you were talking about earlier, your why. Like what do you like to do? Like that should be the number one thing. It's like what else is there that I find joy out of, that I that relieves my stress, that something that I can consistently do even when I can't play football no more, even when I can't play soccer no more, like things like that. What What is something that like you find relieving? That gives you that same feeling, that same euphoria that that the sport that you played for however many years does. Um, and I'll even go as far um, to wrap this up um, with my piece of advice because you already, you guys already talked about finding your why, finding your purpose, finding something that fuels you outside of sport. And so one thing that I, I've talked to my sister about is like practicing like cliche methods, and I and this is so crazy because everything has become more like was cliche to me like younger. It's like has appeared in a true guys, like, you know, as I get older. And so one thing I practice a lot um, in terms of because I'm still practicing, this is, you know, we're still growing. Right. right, Is when people ask who I am. Right. It's like not hail the engineer. I'm, I'm an engineer or Trey. I'm a nurse or Jordan, a psychologist. I'm Jordan Flowers. I'm Jordan Flowers. And I know that sounds corny to practice. Like, okay, what do you do? But you want to give them the satisfaction of asking, what do you do? Because that's not attached to who you are, right? right? I'm Jordan Flowers. What I do is clinical psychology. I might be a doctor in clinical psychology someday, but who I am is Jordan Flowers. And I enjoy a heck of a lot of things. Like mental health is a 24-7 unconscious thing for me. But outside of this, when I leave this podcast or when I leave the classroom or I leave anything related to psychology and mental health, I enjoy a heck of a lot of things outside of that. Right, I'm so broad, and I'm trying to get new perspectives and listen to new things or see new TV shows that I might probably turn off <laughs> at some point because it's not my style. But yeah. at least I'm open minded enough right. to, you know, not want to live the life of this is my life. And I get that our occupation and our sports take up a lot of our lives, right? I get the investment, so I, I do understand having that attached to identity as well. But we have to do a better time or a better job of internally um, placing ourselves in like, you know, good position to when we transition on the life and to being a a civilian or I'm going to do this. I'm going to drop the artwork. (laughs) Athletic, regular people. We're we're copywriting it right now. There's a real need. We're doing the patent and everything. (laughs) Athletic, regular people. people. We are not NARPs. All right. I think I could still do it. You give me a couple months training. I'm still fine enough to do it. But I wanted to be a little lighthearted in that. But in that sense, it's like I said, it just comes down to that's the disassociation that we have to have in our identity and our self-worth from the game. And we have to build ourselves enough to know that outside of what I do on the football field, I'm good enough to go you know, go out in the society and function well and enjoy my life when this is all said and done and be successful in whatever I do. And like you said, you could keep that same mentality from sports and apply it to whatever you're doing in life, but it's just in a new guise, it's in a new form, and but it could be the same motivation. Like two things can, like I said, it's a thing on this thing is two things can coexist everything is not mutually exclusive so it's fluid very fluid very fluid so anything you want to wrap it up i don't want to be lighthearted. anything y'all want to say <laughs> and y'all, y'all final thoughts 
Uh, I just want to thank everybody who's been listening to us. It's our second episode, and we just really appreciate all the reaching out that everybody's been doing for us, and it really motivates us to keep doing these and just keep believing in what we believed in from the jump, that people, like, we could be a voice for people. Right, right. and to really wrap it up, uh, again, this will be on Spotify. This will be on Apple Music. We'll definitely have announcements. Uh, you can follow our Instagram page at underscore man the podcast. Right. Underscore man the podcast. I know there's a couple other uh, pages out there, but uh, <laughs> but we the OG. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This, this is us. <laughs> this is us, man. So, but definitely. Um, also, just to really wrap it up, uh, definitely tell us your thoughts. You know, we love the interaction that people have. Tell us what you think, what you disagree. It's okay to disagree. I want the conversation. That's the most important part. Right, right. So let us know what you think and, you know. We'll move forward from there. All right. We appreciate you for listening.